Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdwick Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with writer and creator of the comic series Legends of the Realm, Jack Holder, here to promote issue three currently. Well, it will be on Kickstarter April 20th. We're recording before that, but it's going to be on Kickstarter soon. So welcome back, Jack. Thank you so much, K.S., for having me on again. It was a pleasure talking with you last time. and I'm really excited to talk today. Well, thank you for reaching back out again. It, like I said, it's great to have you back. But for those who are not familiar with you, who is Jack Holder in his own words? Jack Holder is uh, a very happy father. Uh, first off, uh, a fantasy writer and uh, trying to see uh, how art glimpses the divine in certain senses. I write fantasy novels and comics, uh, and uh, try and uh, work in some deep questions while uh, working with some amazing artists at the same time. Uh-huh. So what is the Legends of the Realm series about, and what should new and returning readers expect in issue three? So Legends of the Realm is an epic uh, fantasy uh, comic series. So if you love things like Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, Aragon, and the like, this is right up your alley. It follows a young mage, Camridian, as he uh, navigates his way through the kingdom of Fire, where he's just been appointed court mage, trying to find new miracles, new magics for uh, his young king. Uh, this issue is very different than the uh, first two. First two were exploring uh, these weird and exciting places, a floating city in the clouds, uh, fighting a stone wo- woman uh, up in the mountains. This one, he's going to the far east, deep into uh, a uh, an oasis in the desert, uh, the Oasis of Fountain, and he's hoping maybe possibly this is the miracle that he's been looking for, a way to revitalize uh, a seemingly dead area and to do exactly what he's always hoped magic would do, uh, feed and nourish and help people. But it w- he's gone through two... Uh, issues right now and he's a bit leery a bit wondering what's going on what's the catch meanwhile the king is dealing with his own issues uh and the mysterious requests that cameridian placed upon him Uh uh-huh uh-huh so i guess could you elaborate a little bit more on your creative process on legends of the realm as a whole like have you noticed any changes or wish you could have done things differently in between creating each issue? So uh, the reason why I say I don't is not because of me. It's because I have an amazing editor who is with me the entire time, Uh, John Robinson. He's the writer of Scorpio. Uh, And he and I go literally line by line, and he's checking out my story Bible, making sure everything's uh going well uh the creative process for legend of the realm really is uh 
would this be cool? And then what's the meaning behind it? Uh, we, with every story, every tale, it's uh, the, uh, the tagline for Legends of the Realm is uh, the story being told reveals just as much about the storyteller as the tale itself. Uh, with all three of the issues of Legends of the Realm, it's being told by a biased narrator. And we say this with love and affection because everyone's bringing their bias in here. It's It could be bias saying, hey, Camridian's awesome, and you should totally see that. Or in the first issue where the narrator is like, I really would like you to send your army to kill this man. Uh, and here in this third issue, Camridian is uh, trying to uh, reckon with what's going on with Fountaine. And the narrator is actually a serf uh, from the Oasis who's like, this man doesn't understand a damn thing about what's going on here. Uh, and so the creative process for Legends of the Realm was really, okay, we're bringing all these different elements together. What's going on? Why is Camridian going to all the corners of the kingdom? And from there, what's, uh, what's happening? Here he meets this very young, very ambitious noble named Cayenne, uh, who is... It seems well aware of what's going on. Nobles only do anything that serves their self-interest. And Camerini's like, finally, we have someone who understands the problems that we are all facing. And I'm really hoping that awareness means we're going to change it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that is where we are at right now with Camerini. Mm -hmm. so while you were creating and I guess writing out Legends of the Realm and you tell me about all your influences when we when we first started talking how did you incorporate your influences into Legends of the Realm without like copying them in a way like the with the world building because I'm hearing you talk about it's like medieval and fantasy um, mixed you know mixed in together you know like how did you bring in your influences into this world as you were building it but it's still yours at the same time absolutely and this is a, a great question because you have so many people uh who deal with this especially younger writers uh when i was starting out uh every time uh, you would start a new story as a young writer, it would be pretty much your interpretation of the exact same situation that you had just recently read. Like, oh, what if I did Aragon, but it was my character uh, finding a dragon egg or that sort of thing. Uh, the best way to deal with this really is uh, experience and writing and writing and writing. Uh, sometime, 
after a long while, uh, you start uh, going away from, okay, I want to tell their story my way. And you start going, hey, I really love the Dragonlance uh, characters. Can I incorporate this sort of setting or the like pulling character ideas instead of whole plots mm -hmm. into my story? And that's uh, when you start becoming more of a writer rather than a I'm trying to think of a better word than thief uh, <laughs> of a full plot. Uh, it becomes less fan fiction and more uh, inspiration and homage. I guess less appropriation, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a really great way to put it. Uh, I mean, Hemingway always said good writers are inspired, great writers steal outright. Yeah. But, <laughs> but he also had many different advantages that modern writers don't. Uh, but I, that's why I think uh, one, with more experience, you start really diving into why you love certain tales and it a lot of times it's not just the plot it it's really you want to take the uh flavors and everything from uh these uh characters flavors is a really great way to, to put it it's almost like being a chef it's not stealing an entire recipe but then realizing hey this is when i really want to put the cardamom in is after the uh, first round of baking but the final stir that's when you know that you're really starting to understand how to be a writer is when you're figuring out how to incorporate things into your own recipe rather than just taking the whole book and changing the character names yeah I like that I like that the different flavors to add in and when to add them in and when to leave them out and stuff like that. It's weird that you say you, you use that word because um, I'm getting into like screenwriting and I work with several, several collaborators because I've never really done it before. And we're coming up with these ideas and the showrunner is coming up with stuff too after, you know, I'm adding in my two cents. And it, it becomes like this really good, hefty idea with some depth to it. Whereas before we started out with something completely different and it was kind of weird and it didn't really work out, especially with how I act the stuff out once it's written. And I'm like, okay, we're cooking now. We're cooking, we're cooking. I don't know where that word came from, but when you say the word flavors, <laughs> and I, it made me think of, oh, we're cooking now. We, we're getting it together now. It's, it's starting to come together. It's starting to have some flavor. <laughs> but this is one of the reasons why I love comics and why I love screenwriting as well. Plays, uh, I, I've written plays as well. It's that collaborative process. Like, I, I love reading books and I love uh, reading many, many books. Uh, but 
you can really tell the difference between an author uh, that's only read the book himself and has just uh, written the book, has done all the edits by himself versus that sort of, okay, I'm going to reach out and we're going to go through that like six or seven edit process that you hate because it's like 400,000 words and I don't want to have to rewrite everything. But with screenwriting and comics, it's like, okay, we're going to take your skill here at dialogue and you're going to uh, really understand action sequences and you really understand where we need to go and where we're allowed to go in backgrounds uh, and settings. And that just, it it's a stew, it's a melting pot that really just makes people go, and I want more. Like The Last of Us was so much fun because you had so many of these amazing people doing these great things in these fantastic locations. Uh, that That's what I, I love about the collaborative creation process. Uh-huh. So I have a, another question. I don't know if it's a simple question or complicated in a way, but I'm, I was listening to you, you know, name these different places, right? And the, the names of different characters and the locations of, you know, where scenes are. So how do you come up with like just the names of characters and places? Because I mean, I one of my colleagues was asking the, asking the other day, he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm doing this short film and I need names for my characters." And I'm like, "How do you come up with with names? I don't even know how I came up with names for for my characters and my stuff is ur urban fantasy, so it's places that already exist, so I don't really have to even make something anything up, right?" Whereas with you, you kind of like had to do the names and the places and what they were because it's like super fantasy. So how did you come up with, <laughs> with your stuff? So it's a combination of uh, good and right stealing and puns. Uh, you know that this uh, Providentia, Fountain, that, that's just me going digging deep into the well of dad joke humor right there. Uh, Camridian, uh, that came about almost 10 years ago now. That's That was eight years ago. And that was me just constantly just rolling consonants in my head uh, because I, wa I wanted a, a specific name. Sometimes that'll come to you, but... Uh, for so many people, especially for fantasy and sci-fi writers, great things that are really helpful for you are those name generators uh, and baby names. Uh, like, especially if you know the sort of, uh, we keep going back to the word flavor so much, you can tell that it's six o'clock and we're hungry. <laughs> I am starving, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but... If you know the origin, if you're like, hey, I know this person is going to be from like Scotland, you can literally just Google, hey, can we get a Scotland baby name generator? Writers spend exponentially more time on baby name generators than expecting parents ever will. 
because we just keep going back. Hey, can I find more Armenian names? Uh, and because they'll give you the meaning behind it, and then you'll be like, oh, I want that. That That's the sort of thing that really helps. And uh, again, in fantasy and in sci-fi, you cheat. Uh, think about things like Joffrey and Jamie, Jamie from Game of Thrones. What did he do? Change one letter and switch one around. Sometimes that's all you need to do. Take something that seems normal and then tweak it 10%. Suddenly it's exotic. Yeah, I remember with a D&D game, um, I kind of just came up with my character in the car on my way to the game. And the character name, it was right around the time before... Um, uh, before I call him Batman before Batman took over Twitter. Um, and I named the character uh, Musky Elon. I just, and I laughed to myself for like 10 minutes in the car because I thought it was hilarious. So yeah, sometimes I just come up with it. It just comes out of nowhere, especially when I'm like in a pinch. And sometimes it's a name I've been sitting on for like weeks. Yeah, sometimes you come up with this amazing name and you don't have anything to do with it so you're just like yeah, i'm just gonna set this to the side yeah exactly i just it's again i just try to try to tell people like not to throw anything away because then you'll you'll your brain came up with it you just don't know what to do with it not yet so just put it to the side and you'll use it later um but what other advice would you offer to other creators it can be a creator as in general it can be a comic writer novelist what have you um, that you wish someone would have told you when you first started? Okay, so I usually give the be nice uh, advice, which is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, but this one came to me uh, a couple of months ago, and I realized that uh, people don't give this advice as much. Take the courses, uh, go out and study the skills that you won't learn on your own. And by that, I mean the things that you don't like to do as a creator, but if you want to be a successful one, you have to have. For me, it's business acumen. Like, uh, I was asked recently, what would I do if I could uh, redo my undergrad? I'd be like, I would be taking communications and business courses. I, I would be mastering, I would be taking the, I'm already paying for it. I might as well get some social media and advertising acumen down just like that. Uh, there are those skills that we as creators are just going to naturally level up in. We're, we're always gonna be writing we're always going to be reading and consuming entertainment. We're always going to be naturally leveling those up. We're not really going to be focused on developing the perfect pitch or really figuring out how to write ad copy. That's the sort of thing that you learn over time. But if you had the professional training, you really would like to have that extra step up over the competition. 
so that's my advice, especially for new creators. If you know you're going to be a writer of something uh, and you're like 17 years old, I, I was there. Take those business courses. Take that, figure out how to write a web page uh, course. That is going to save you thousands of dollars. It, it's not going to be as fun as taking that Arthurian literature course that you really enjoy. Like, I, I love that. Uh, and, it, and it helps me, but I don't know if it helps me as much as if I would have taken those business courses because I'm going to read Arthurian literature anyways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, outside of working on Legends of the Realm, how well do you find balance for your life? And how do you typically manage your mental well-being? <laughs> what are you laughing? When you become uh, stressed, frustrated, or overwhelmed? Uh, I'm a stay-at-home dad, so I'm so often stressed, frustrated, and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like, m my daughter's uh, one and three quarters. She is at the just pre-verbal and really hates it. Uh-huh. Uh that that happens a a lot. Uh sometimes you gotta recognize that you're going to write maybe a couple of words at eleven o'clock at night when you're so tired you literally just booted up the computer just to, to type a couple of words and then you're going to read until you fall asleep. That's okay. And that's the major thing that I, I want people to know is until this is paying like a full-time job, this is a hobby. Uh, it's, it's something you're working towards. It's something that you hope you, you go pro, but it is a hobby that you're treating as a profession. Uh, it's okay that things don't always go uh, well as planned. Now, uh, I think you're also talking about like if things aren't going to plan as mm -hmm. a writer, not just the rest of the world is conspiring to make sure you can't. Uh, writing is one of these extremely difficult things to do because I, it, any artist can tell you uh, it's 90% perspiration to 10% inspiration uh, is a pretty accurate ratio. It may be favoring inspiration a bit too much. Uh, it is a grind. It is a work. It's trying to figure out not just the story that you want to tell, but the story that you can sell. Uh, to deal with that sort of frustration, you have to you have to live. You have to be able to step up uh, away from your computer and figure out how to uh, take a walk through your neighborhood. Uh, so you get some fresh air, really. Trust me, fresh air has helped the creative process so much more than 
spending three hours staring at a screen, watching an esport while trying desperately to uh, write some words. Uh, I, I have ADHD. It's totally uh, what happens. It, the best way to deal with writer's block this sort of frustration, the I'm never going to be a good writer, is to have that life balance in there that you can talk with friends or or ha just have a beer with friends mm -hmm. uh, to get away from it all. Uh, the beauty and terror of writing is getting away from it can actually make it better. Yeah. Tell me what other uh, profession uh, that the le sometimes the less time you spend at it, the better you get. But that's what we're in. Sometimes it's going out to the movies, seeing Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, and that's going to give you that plot twist. You're not stealing it from Chris Pine, but you're that movie can give you that click aha moment. Hey, this minor detail, I'm gonna make a major plot point and it's really gonna help. That really helps with frustration is being able to walk away. Not walk away forever, but take that breather. So how has everything been um, for you? It can be as a writer or creator, or it can just be as a person. How has it been for you? Because I remember last time we spoke, your daughter, I think your daughter was only a couple months old, whereas now you're saying she's one and three quarters. So how has it been? How has that adjustment been for you? You know, you know, expect being an expectant father and then she was born and all the way up till now has it been any real adjustments that you had to make as you were making Legends of the Realm or just you as a person? Daily adjustments. Mm -hmm. uh, this period right now with her being this young, it, every day she's a new person. And it, it's figuring out that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, like when I talked to you when we had Floated Dream going on, uh, I could set my baby down and she would be just there. Uh, I now have to deal with uh, a daughter who is like, you're going to the bathroom. Can I join you? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> it, it is uh, Legends of the Realm is going as well as it uh, has been because I was able to get the first drafts done while uh, my wife was expecting. Uh, and because uh, it's a nice long process of indie comics. But I've managed to write books while my daughter is at the stage. And I'm still writing. I've written over 45,000 words just this year alone. Oh, wow. uh, it And... It's it is a long, drawn out process, uh, and the the best thing I can say for 
stay-at-home dads, especially dads, because uh, we don't know what the hell we're doing, uh, is understand you're not going to get anything done except at nap time and after she's in bed. Unless you're Unless your spouse is being super nice and taking care of the baby, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And just a- a- acknowledge that, and suddenly your life becomes much easier. Yeah. So back to Legends of the Realm. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on that we may have missed as a whole? Um, maybe the rewards for potential backers? Absolutely. So, like we said, the Kickstarter is launching April 20th, uh, and every time I put up uh, the my, my entire library, uh, my books, my comics, my anthologies, uh, every time we've got this fun uh, map piece of the Kingdom of Danisfire uh, that Evan is working on, and it's specific to each issue. So there are going to be six pieces for the six issues for this first arc. Uh, Evan has also put together a wonderful pinup that we'll be uh, revealing because Evan and I went over like three or four different uh, cover ideas. And he's like, uh, we're both like, we really like this one, but this one will probably be more appropriate as a cover. He's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm making this one as a pinup, and so we're gonna get that as well as a reward. And we really loved it, so I I hope people enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, are you attending any cons this year as a vendor? Uh, and I guess, and where else can people find you online since you post like your anthologies and stuff like that and all the other stuff? So we've got. Uh, uh, two days after uh, the Kickstarter launches, we're going to be at Wicked Comic Con in Boston. That's going to be, I think it's like the biggest comic-centric convention in New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, week after that, we'll be in Maine Comic and Toy Convention uh, in Portland, Maine. Then we'll be uh, for Free Comic Book Day. Uh, we'll be at Double Midnight Comics for their free comic book day. And we'll be at KidsCon New England a couple of weeks after that in uh, uh, Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, and by that time, the Kickstarter will be over. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean, we were discussing before we got started um, about Baltimore Comic Con. Are you thinking about going to there? I mean, going there or any other places like in the summer or like fall? Just we'll to give you at, an idea, maybe. We'll be at Terrific Con at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And we'll be at Boston Fan Expo. Uh, but once again, uh, stay at home, Dad. I'm mm-hmm. just outside of Boston. If it's more than six hours away, we're pretty much like, no, that that's causing too much stress. Uh, but as she gets older, we're going to be expanding more and more. Like, I'd love to go to stuff like uh, Baltimore, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Dragon and MomoCon down in Atlanta, Planet Comic Con out in Kansas City, C2E2, Emerald City. Uh, it, those types of conventions we'd really love to do. It's just figuring out how to make sure that you can make enough money to say, hey, I'm losing money on the plane ticket, but it's still worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tell, I try to tell people all the time to stay local for as long as they can because um, a lot of people that you're going to meet when you leave, so a lot of people that you're probably going to meet in Baltimore are going to be in Boston, you know, so you don't oh, really yeah. have to really go anywhere. And then, like, people that you meet in Boston or anywhere in New England at these cons, conventions, what have you, festivals, um, they know somebody else outside of that. So it's like, as long as you keep connecting and networking with the people that are around you, eventually they'll start bringing in the people that you want to connect with outside of that, whether it's via email, via podcast, or maybe even in person at some point. So I, you staying local in New England, it's not a bad idea. You know, it's not wrong or anything like that. So anybody else out there who are listening if you just have to stay within your state or you can only go one state over up down whatever that's fine as well you know exactly and if you're looking at this going man my state or uh, if you're in one of those really much bigger states like utah or uh that area and you're like I get maybe one convention a year or two conventions a year and there's this whole time. Maybe you should start looking into getting a small local thing uh, going, especially if you've got an art scene that mm -hmm. isn't being as represented as you would like. Uh, here we are, here in uh, New England, we are chock full of horror conventions. We don't have that many fantasy conventions or sci-fi mm -hmm. uh and comics does get thrown by the wayside in favor of horror at times <laughs> i think the horror comes into play because a lot of um i think isn't stephen king stuff normally it's set in new england right? Maine. yeah Maine. yeah King's so yes yeah, so a lot of horror is like in that area because of him and other writers um that have their settings in there so this, i think with fantasy it works a lot in a lot of like metropolitan areas obviously like new york dc los angeles maybe atlanta or something like that or like london and paris and stuff like that because there's such high you know high traffic metropolitan yeah is so that's why that's part of the reason why i made mine set in baltimore because it's like i've never read anything in baltimore other than like violent stuff which i don't really yeah way but no, um, that, that's completely correct like uh i read an urban fantasy that was set in atlanta and i'm like oh my god i love this finally someone's doing something not in new york city mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like i i'm sorry i especially with comics can we just get away from new york city just for like five years just g give me a few years yeah. without having to 
know about the Upper East Side. I, I've never, I have been to New York, I have been around there, but we don't need everything set in New York City. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I don't, for me, I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about, but okay. I mean, people mention it so many times, you kind of start thinking that you do, but I mean, I have I have no idea. If it's not the Empire State Building, Times Square, you know, uh, uh, yep. what's the name, the Statue of Liberty? I have no idea. The Brooklyn Bridge. Other than that, I just know that Staten Island is away from everything else, even though it's one of the boroughs. But other than that, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but um, where can people find you online? Like, what socials are you active on, Jack? I'm I, I'm over thirty. Uh, my my social is very much Facebook and some Twitter. So you can find me on Facebook with Arcane Industries. That's the tagline. Uh, you can find me on Twitter with the Twitter handle at Jack Holder AI. You can also find my website, www.arcaneinkdistries.com, I-N-K. Uh, and you can, you can find me on Kickstarter all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. I just recently got the Superbacker uh, recognition from Kickstarter, and I'm super excited about that. That's cool. Uh, it means, uh, I, I gotta say, I am liking uh, Kickstarter's comics more and more than DC and Marvel as of mm -hmm. late. And the reason being is not just that DC and Marvel are like, okay, if you want to buy this comic, you need to buy six others, and then you need to engage on this annual crossover every year. Uh, but at the same time, a lot of DC and Marvel ones, they get too wordy. They just fill the page with these gigantic speech bubbles. And I'm like, that's not that's not comics. That's you pretty much just gave me a short story and took out all the description. Mm -hmm. But Kickstarter Kickstarter has some amazing comics that are going on, and then these people are getting signed to small press publishers, which I'm really happy about. And people should be checking out uh, comics Kickstarter. It is the most successful uh kickstarter uh part uh how to say that correctly uh comics is the best genre in uh kickstarter when it comes to actual fulfillment and successful campaigns via mm -hmm. every other category mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well Again, I want to thank the writer and creator of the comic series Legends of the Realm, Jack Holder, for joining us here today to promote issue three um, on Kickstarter. It will be up by the time this episode airs. Um, all of Jack's episodes and website will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter link for those who are interested. Again, I am K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nomad Podcast. Thank you. <laughs>